Okay, welcome to the RBI shop. I'm your host, Ryan Bishop. Today we are talking about money, money, money. Um, when the Rays played the Dodgers in the World Series, it was this incredible event, this David versus Goliath, where you had the Dodgers with this massive payroll against these poor old Rays with so little money that they can barely afford any players, and they still managed to compete with those monsters of the Dodgers. A lot of us buy into this narrative, this side of the story, which is portrayed very well by the owners. And yes, there are problems in payroll. And do athletes get paid too much? Yeah, probably. But I'm going to give you the other side of the story, the opposite end of the spectrum, the player side of the story, because you are hearing one extreme side of the story. And rarely do we hear the other side. I know we don't all want to jump from one side of the spectrum to the complete other, and that's not my goal. My goal is to give you some information so you can end up with a really balanced opinion, seeing that there are problems in what the players do, yes, but there are also some significant problems in how the owners treat their players, and that's what we're going to dive into today, talking about the Rays and why you should not care about their front office and the quote-unquote great things that they're doing. So, I have this favorite restaurant. It's nothing incredibly special, to be honest. The booths there are super uncomfortable to sit in compared to most restaurants. The food is incredibly average, although sometimes on that rare occasion, it is absolutely incredible. So I'll be honest, I do pay about the same amount as any other restaurant, and the food isn't that much better. Usually it's a little bit worse, but honestly, this is the greatest restaurant of all time. What makes it so special, you ask? Well, you should see this owner. The guy is absolutely brilliant. So the guy who owns this restaurant, what he did was he coaxed the city into using their tax dollars and the people's tax dollars to build this restaurant. So he gets them to build this incredible building. How awesome is that? He builds this building with taxpayer dollars further it gets better this guy pays his workers starvation wages he uses loopholes that he created so that he doesn't even have to pay them close to minimum wage as they do silly tasks like the dishes and cleaning floors he does promise them that there's big money ahead so he leads these guys on and just does some incredible gets some incredible value out of these workers because they don't even make close to minimum wage it's awesome Eventually, they start working on the floor. He'll bump them up to minimum wage. Things are good. Every now and then, he'll throw in a bonus to one of the two of the players. It's really cool. He does offer great training, and they always seem to outperform their expectations. These guys don't, the employees usually wouldn't be the greatest at other restaurants, but they step up their game here. And here's the best part this is the part I love. When employees have been faithfully dedicated to this restaurant for even a decade in some cases, as soon as they start asking for more money, more than the minimum wage, more than or about average of what other restaurants would play them, pay them, not play them, although maybe play them, <laughs> bye-bye, he just lets them go. Isn't this restaurant owner a champ? Isn't that the kind of restaurant you want to go to? Absolutely not. Yet at some point along the way, we started valuing being cheap more than honesty. 
at some point along the way, we became okay and we thought it was respectable to rob taxpayers of their money. At some point along the way, we decided that not playing your not paying your employees is sexy. Playing your employees is actually what they're doing. So the Rays versus the Dodgers may have been David versus Goliath in terms of the players on the field. But quite frankly, now that the World Series is over, what's going on in the Rays organization is Scrooge versus Bob Cratchit. They're actively going to do all they can do to make sure they aren't paying their employees, the guys who made them millions of dollars this year in sales of merchandise, the guys that helped them in this awful economy, this most difficult year. They're going to do everything they can to make sure these guys do not get a penny more than what they absolutely have to be paid. So why do we praise owners for being so cheap? Obviously, that restaurant idea was is not something we'd be okay with in real life, but it's something that we love in baseball. It's something that we celebrate in baseball with the A's, with the Rays. We've been trained to hate the millionaires. We see these athletes playing games, making millions of dollars, and I'm not here to say that anybody deserves 10, 20, 30 million dollars a year to play a game. However, we're going to provide a perspective, give some information on how some of this stuff works, because the more we play into this narrative that sports stars are money guzzling idiots, the less we notice the tax evading sycophants at the top. We're going to start with how the major league pay structure works. So this is once you get to the majors, the first three full seasons, a player gets paid the major league minimum, which is right around 550000 They can throw an extra 100000 to a player just for fun, just to be nice. But 99% of the time, a player makes right around that 550000 his first three full seasons. It is important to note this is their first full seasons. So if you call up a player in May and they miss a whole month of April, <laughs> that player's first full season is the next year. So they make that minimum wage that first season. Then the next three years, they continue to make that minimum salary. So most players, they get that minimum salary at least around three and a half seasons. That's why you don't see your favorite stars come up in the beginning of the year. You see them come up in April or May. Not April. In May or June. That's how teams play the system. After those first three full seasons, there's three years of team control. In those seasons, you can only negotiate with your team. So JP Crawford from the Mariners, he hits arbitration this year is what they call it. Um, because if it if they do not agree on a salary, they will go to an arbitrator who uses stats and helps to come up with stuff, be that as it may. Um, so he can only negotiate with the Mariners. Now, the Mariners could choose to let him go. They can non-tender him is what they call it. So they're not going to give him that contract for the next year. Or they can pay him that salary. Since nobody else is involved in the bidding, those salaries are significantly lower than if a player was on the open market. So for example, if J.P. Crawford as a shortstop, he'll get about a million dollars next year. If you look at similar level players, Tommy Lastella, um, Angelton Simmons, probably a little bit better and he's been doing it longer. Um, those guys will get at least four or five million a year. And most of them will get multi-year deals where they cannot be cut at the end of the season and lose all that money. So got, teams save a ton of money through this. 
There are a few extra nuanced rules involved here, but I'm not going to get into those here. You can dig into them later. You can ask questions. We can go into that another time, but that's going to distract us as it currently is distracting me right now. Now, I will say to the players, this pay system can be extremely beneficial. It forces guys to be at the top of their games to prove themselves, and not just once, not just you had a great senior year of college and now you're making millions of dollars, but they have to prove themselves over time. Also, they're not just handed millions of dollars at the start of their adulthood and just assumed to know how to handle their money. Um, if you look at the NFL, an average NFL player is bankrupt within three years of leaving the NFL. Absolutely crazy because you get these guys that get given millions of dollars and are just kind of dumped as soon as they're hurt. Um, so I do believe there are some benefits to this pay structure. It allows players who are older to get paid more. Players who are younger and haven't proven themselves, yeah, they have to grow up and prove themselves. But at the same time, owners take advantage of this. We call it service time manipulation. So what an employer does, basically it's the equivalent of if you get hired on at a store and right before you become benefits eligible, the employer fires you. Maybe they offer you your job back in a month or two, but they don't want to pay those benefits. So they just fire you as soon as you become benefits eligible, they will cut you out. It's that kind of idea is how these, these owners run their baseball teams. So what the goal of owners is, is they want to hold a guy in the minor leagues until they are around 25. If you hold a guy until they're 25, we all know, and it's pretty well-known fact that baseball players prime years in general, there are definitely some players who pay, play better when they're in their late 30s. There's definitely some players who play great at 21. But in general, your prime playing career, playing years are 25 to 30, 31. And as an owner, my goal is to keep those guys under team control, under that cheap team control from when they're 25 to 31. So you see a guy like Juan Soto, who everybody knew wasn't even 20 years old, doing incredible things with the Nationals in the World Series. Are 21-year-olds talented enough? Yes. Absolutely. Do you see a lot of 21-year-olds in the major leagues? No. Because if a guy starts playing at 21, he hits free agency in their prime, right at 27, 28. Now, if you look at Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, not the two best players in baseball, but they got paid like they were the two best players in baseball. A lot of people hate them because their contracts, but what happened was they hit free agency at 27 to 28. So when a team signs them, they know they're getting three, four, five years out of these guys in the prime of their career. Most free agents, they hit them open market at 30, 31, 32. They are just leaving the prime of their career, and this is their chance to make the big money. And quite frankly, it just doesn't happen for them. Most guys are never going to get a second free agency deal. You sign a four-year deal when you're 30. Next time you're asking for money, you're now 34, 35. You're not getting a second deal. Juan Soto, when he hits free agency at 27, let's say he signs a five-year deal. He's still 32 reasonably enough in the prime of his career that he could get offered a second contract. This is why he was such a rare 20-year-old to start, not just because he was talented, and Juan Soto is incredibly talented, will not discourage that fact, 
But the fact is that his team actually allowed him to play. They had something going because they'd paid Max Scherzer, because they'd paid Steven Strasburg, because they'd paid um, Patrick Corbin, that they could add in a cheap player like Juan Soto and allow him to play when he's 20, even though they're not now going to get the very best years out of Juan Soto without having to pay him. This is the reason why the Rays have such a low payroll. It's not because their owners are geniuses. It's because they don't pay their players. They take this loophole and run it to the absolute max. People ask, is Blake Smith's Blake smell? Is Blake Snell going to leave because Cash pulled him early in the World Series? Absolutely not. If Blake Snell leaves, it's going to be because he has more value to get traded than Cash is willing to pay him. They're going to dump him as soon as they have they can get max value out of him playing-wise. And then Max return when they can trade him. He is under contract for a couple more years. I guarantee you 100% the Rays will not sign him to an extension. This is why the Rays have such a low payroll. Because they take advantage of a system that's supposed to yeah, force players to prove themselves. And it ends up with them allowing a player to prove themselves, cut them loose as soon as they have. But players get paid too much money. Absolutely. I agree that most players in the MLB get paid too much money, especially the stars that we see. We talk about Bryce Harper, that was it $330 million contract. Does anybody actually deserve that for playing baseball? Probably not. However, we never talk about the owners who make that money, who also make money, and they make more money. Should they be making money just sitting there hiring a guy here and there? Yes, I know they invest a ton, but players invest a ton into their careers as well. But we don't complain about the owners. We complain about a player getting paid too much, but we don't complain about how cheap owners can be at times. So owners invest into their teams. They invest millions of dollars, but at the same time, the average stadium is paid for by taxpayers. It's not like this owner comes in and builds a stadium. What he does is just like our restaurant owner example earlier, is he coaxes the city into saying, I'm going to bring all these extra people in the stadiums. And let's be honest, I have been a tourist in several cities and gone into the city, used their restaurants, used their hotels, paid for things all around the city because I went there mostly for a baseball game. So I get it. It does bring in tourism to have a stadium. But as an owner, you're getting taxpayers to play for it, to pay for it. So when you're also skimping on salaries, that's a problem. Players invest into their career too. When guys are six, seven, eight, nine, ten, they start playing baseball. They've got parents driving them around the country between 10 and 18, taking them to tournaments, showing them off. They're obviously not getting paid. A lot of them will end up getting scout. Well, no. Players end up getting scholarships to go to college for free, and that's incredible value. But you've still invested all that time where you're not getting paid, where your parents are paying for all this stuff just to get that chance to play in college. You go through college, and not only are you studying, but you're playing on the team. And yes, you might get full-ride scholarships, and it's all paid for. It's still not like you're rolling in money. And yes, it's a better college experience than what I had, I'm sure. But they have invested a ton to get to that point. 
And now when they're in that point and they invest in the college, they're doing all that extra work on the baseball field, even after classes, even when tests are going on or finals are going on and things are crazy. These guys invest a ton into their careers. But the fact is that you as fans do not care about players until they become millionaires. We only care about them when they're making that $550,000 until maybe they're making a few million. And as soon as they hit that point, that's when they become villains. That's when they become, they're making too much money. They shouldn't get paid this money to make billions of dollars, millions of dollars, not billions. They're not owners yet. They get paid. We don't like them when they get paid more than a few million dollars. And why I say you as fans don't care about them. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go through some things about Kyle Lewis, the 2020 AL Rookie of the Year. I know it hasn't been announced yet, and it better be announced. Um, I'm a huge Mariners fan, so I'm going to give lots of Mariners examples. You're welcome. Um, so in 2016, he's drafted, I can't even remember off the top of my head. I want to say seventh overall. He gets a $3 million signing bonus. That's great. Obviously, he's making big money. Any player in the first round of a major league draft gets about a million dollar signing bonus. The draft goes 40 rounds, which I will agree is too long, but most players in there are going to get signing bonuses, maybe $20,000, $100,000, which, yeah, that's big money. After They have invested a ton into their careers at this point, they'll remember. And then listen to what they get paid once they're in the minor leagues. So Kyle Lewis, he doesn't get to take that $3 million, go buy a house, go invest in the stock market, save it up for this, buy a new car. He doesn't spend all that money. He's obviously got to pay an agent. Taxes in the Major League Baseball is absolutely crazy. Um, go listen to Rachel Luba. She has a podcast called Corked Up. She talks about the jock tax, which I just listened to the other day, and it just blew my mind some of the stuff that goes on with taxes for players, not for owners, remember. Um, so these guys have all these extra expenses that they have to pay for. They're traveling around the country. If you have a family and you want your family with you, the team's not paying for that. But this is how much they start making in the minors. So, yes, you might have a few million dollars saved up. Let's say an average of 20 new players a year have over a million dollars saved up. There's plenty of players coming in with nothing, and this is how much they'll make. So when Kyle Lewis first started in 2016, he was with the Everett Aquasox. So Everett is just outside of Seattle, if you don't know. Most people who go to a, C to a Mariners game, you could pay the same amount to, or just take the same amount of travel time to go to an Aquasox game. So it's not that Everett's this tiny town in the middle of nowhere, but in 2016, let's see, an average of 2,815 people went to see this first place team play baseball just outside of Seattle, basically connected to Seattle, greater Seattle area. Nobody shows up to these games because the players are only making at the time where he played, it was $290 a week. They are starting to help and guys are making four to $500 a week. Now, if you play at this level of baseball, so not just guys like Kyle Lewis who got that $3 million bonus, but guys who got nothing as a bonus, guys who are fighting for their careers, $500 a week. So let's look at that over a year. $500 a week would average out to $26,000 in a year. These are college graduates, a lot of them. 
or high schoolers who've proven that they are above and beyond in their field getting paid $26,000 a year. However, if you know baseball, the baseball season doesn't last from January 1st to December 31st. So if that season goes, um, so they played 86 games in Everett, 86 divided by seven at the most would be what? So 11, 12, 13 weeks. There's a few off days. So let's say you get 20 weeks in. You're now making $10,000 in a year, having an off season where you have to take care of your body. You have to be performing at an elite level to make that $10,000 per year. If you go and you go to your local team, if you have a local minor league team, go look up um, player housing options and you can actually sign up to be a host family for one or two players. This is how guys make it in the minor leagues. They drive buses all over their areas. They stay in the houses of local families. And a lot of times they eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches after games. These are not all millionaires. I know some of them got big bonuses when they signed, but they are making far, far, far below minimum wage when you consider all the work they're putting in, not just three hours a night on a baseball diamond, but hours and hours of practice each day to get themselves to an elite level, still investing in their careers, even though some of them have proven themselves in college, even though a lot of them have proven themselves in high school. 22,815 people per game showed up to see Kyle Lewis this, that year. Then he moved up to Modesto where he would have been making, he would have still been making $290 per week. Today, a player in Modesto would make that 500 per week rather than 400 per week. In Modesto, across 70 home dates, so they play a full season here, so he's making more money because you're playing longer rather than 20 weeks, you're playing 30 weeks, 35 weeks. He's making $500 a week, 2,108 people show up to see them each night in Modesto. Now, Modesto's a good-sized city, 200,000 people there. California's obviously huge. Nobody's traveling around California to go to Modesto, though. Nobody's showing up to these games. 2018 and 19, he plays for Arkansas. Average attendance both years is right around 4,500 across 68 home games, 66 home games in 2018. Let me tell you this and give you an example of how bad we are at noticing players when they're actually playing. In 2019, so he's making, so he would have made $350 a week. Again, the MLB is starting to invest in the minor leagues. And so he would have been making $600 a week. Um, if he played today, but he was making $350 a week in 2019 when I went to go see them down in Corpus Christi, Texas, because I was living near near there. $600 a week or $300 a week, barely, a, not even minimum wage. They finished 81 and 57. They're the first place in the Texas League's North Division. The year before they were second. Oh, that Modesto team was also first in the California League in 2017 when Lewis was there, by the way. So we go to this game. I've been to dozens of Astros games. Um, I used to live in Houston. And so anytime the Mariners were in town, I would go before the games with bratting practice. You could try to get down to the field. You could try to get players autographs, but you were fighting and pushing and elbowing little kids out of the way in order to get a backup reliever's autograph it was that kind of situation 
backup reliever. Did I really just say that? Wow, what an embarrassment to baseball. But a reliever, a guy that nobody had heard of, it takes so much to get an autograph at a major league game. When we went to see them down in Corpus Christi, and this is even like when Seattle's the visiting team, everybody obviously wants the Astros fans, Astros signatures out of their fans. There aren't very many Mariners fans there, especially not in 2019, but it was still impossible to get their autographs. In 2019, we go to a game. I take my kids down. I think we called over Dominic Thompson-Williams, um, one of my favorite players, a great guy. And I asked him if he would sign the balls that my kids have. So he's signing it as the team's leaving the field. Justin Dunn comes over and signs it. He was with the Mariners last year. Kyle Lewis comes over and signs them for both of them. Player after player comes up. I remember Justice Sheffield. He'd pitched that night. It's like 150 degrees in Corpus Christi. It's like 10,000% humidity. He'd pitch a long night. The guy looked worn out. I didn't bother him. I just let him walk. We could have called him over. These guys are right there. My kids get to talk to them. My kids get to meet them. There's nobody else around us. And they come home with these balls just covered in signatures from all these stars. Listen to this. Members of the 2019 Arkansas Travelers who've played in Major League Baseball. Sam Tuivalala, Joe Odom, Donnie Walton, Parker Markle. <laughs> I love that name. Robinson Lair, Kyle Lewis, Austin Adams, Nabil Krismet, Jimmy Cordero, LJ Newsom, Reggie McClain, Zach Grotz, Andrew Moore, Anthony Mezowitz, Art Warren, Dan Altavilla, Joey Gerber, Justice Sheffield, Ricardo Sanchez, Justin Dunn, Aaron Fletcher, Evan White, Jake Fraley. All these guys are on that team. All these guys are major league level players. Nobody shows up to watch them. Why is that? Because people don't care until they're millionaires. People don't care until they're only making $550,000 a year. And if we want to say that MLB players get paid too much money, go watch them in the minor leagues then. I mean, honestly, all it takes, type in your team's top 30 prospects, write down a few names, and I guarantee you, you can go get signatures from almost all of those guys. If you go to two or three games, make sure to recognize their faces. Look at the draft class. Look at the Mariners having drafted Emerson Hancock, number six in 2020. I guarantee you, you can go to a minor league game, probably in Modesto next year, maybe in Everett. And I almost guarantee you, you can get his autograph. Like these players are so accessible. These players are right there. You get to see everything. We're paying five to $10 for tickets to sit in the front row where you can talk to them in the batting circle. But again, baseball fans don't tend to care until they're making hundreds of thousands, until they're making millions. So when people say players make too much money, they only make money because you don't care about them until they do make money. Go check out those minor league teams. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Learn some of their names so you know what to cheer for or who to cheer for before you go. There's incredible things going on. These players are making starvation wages. They're getting... They're living with families. These are college graduates, or at least attended three years of college. A lot of high school guys, top of their field, living with random families who are kind enough to open their doors to them for free, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, sitting on buses every night watching old DVDs. And that's why nobody cares about them. If they were making money, you would. 
let's um dig a little bit deeper. Mike Trout, his um his second full year, he made five hundred ten thousand dollars. Was the runner up for MVP. Second full year, five hundred ten thousand dollars, right around there. Runner up for MVP. First MLB season makes one million dollars. So he finishes second, second, first. People say he makes too much money now. He gets $40 million a year, something like that. It's crazy. But we... That team made millions and millions of dollars on him when they were only paying him $2 million those three years. And now all of a sudden people think he's a villain because he makes too much money. When guys make the majors, when they make millions of dollars... It's because they've put in years and years and years of time and effort. If you go to college for four years and invest into that, and yes, a lot of people leave college expecting to get a job right away. And obviously we know that most people are going to start out in entry-level positions. And that's okay. And that happens in Major League Baseball though. And people ignore that with the players. We try to pretend that they're all these millionaires. They're all making Mike Trout, Bryce Harper money. But most of these guys are barely making it by. They have to have parents or other families paying for them to stay with them in order to even have that chance. So yes, if a guy gets $10 million in the major leagues, is that a huge deal? Is that too much money for playing a game? Yes. But when you've invested that much time and that many years into a craft, and you have a guy that's making millions and millions of dollars off of you, selling your jerseys, selling you to your likeness to video games, you're making all they're making all that money off of you. Don't those players deserve some of that money? Knowing that those players are gonna invest it, they're gonna spend it around towns, so they're gonna like I get it, millionaire baseball players are frustrating to see. Millions of dollars to play a game we all love does seem unfair. But you don't show up to see them in the minor leagues. In 2019, and Kyle Lewis was part of this team at the end of 2019, the Mariners averaged 22,000 fans per game. This was one of the worst teams in all of baseball, and still 22 or 1.8 million people across the season show up to watch Kyle Lewis play once he's making millions of dollars. We don't care about them till they're making big money. And quite frankly, when they're making a little bit of money in major leagues, we think they're great. But why do we only care about them when they're making that little bit of money? So as we're entering free agency, and quite frankly, we're entering a brutal CBA no um, negotiation, which starts after 2021 and obviously has already been going on. There's going to be a lot going on. The managers, the owners in baseball, and Rob Manfred, who works for the owners, he is basically the owner's union. They're going to try and cast this light that baseball players all make their millions of dollars and that they whine about it. But they're not just fighting for baseball players. They're fighting for guys that make the major leagues, having made $10,000 a year for four or five years in the sport, finally starting to make good money, and then getting cut right away. Like, this is what players are fighting for, that they don't want to see baseball turn into this nasty mess where as soon as a guy is worth any money, owners don't want to pay them. 
because they know that if they pay whoever, the Mariners were paying Tim Beckham and Keon Broxton 550000 and more people were going out to see them, even though they'd always proven to be below average throughout their careers, where only 4,000 are showing up to see Kyle Lewis when he's making starvation wages, see him play with Justin Dunn, with Justice Sheffield, with Evan White. Like, it's crazy. So the owners, what they're going to do is they're going to talk about how major leagues lost 2 to $3 billion in 2020, and they were $5 billion in debt beforehand. And they're going to try and push this narrative that says players don't deserve money. And we should celebrate owners who don't pay their players, who shred their payrolls. But these players are actually what brings tourism into a city. Not the stadium. These players are the ones travel all across the country, dining in restaurants of those baseball towns, spending a month in Arizona, boosting up those economies all around those little towns around Phoenix, all around Florida, where when there's um, spring training. They are spending that money. They're buying, um, paying agents who have to represent them. They're doing all this stuff, and owners just take that money for themselves. Do you honestly believe that the Rays are saying, okay, now that we've cut Charlie Morton, we're saving $15 million. Let's invest that into the food workers in our stadium. Let's invest that into making this experience better for our fans. Absolutely not. Let's drop ticket prices. Yes, ticket prices in Tampa Bay are lower than what they are in Los Angeles, but that is not because the Rays are so frugal and nobody likes them and it's so sad for them they don't invest into their fan base if they want to make money they should invest into a product that attracts fans i promise you if you bought a randy Arena jersey he's not going to be in tampa bay after six years after that team control is gone if he makes it those six years it would be amazing But what Tampa Bay did is they had taxpayers pay for a stadium that averages is, had average attendance of 37% full over the past five years. That's not including 2020. That's 2015 to 2019. 37% full. They've averaged over 50% attendance four times since they began in 98. They had a 75% attendance rate in their first year in 98. And from 2008 to 2010, it was 57% on average those years. And let's be honest, they play against the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Orioles 20 times per year. People are showing up to see other teams. They're not all going there to see the Rays. But if you're a Yankees fan, it's hard to find a ticket to get into Yankee Stadium. And quite frankly, it would be cheaper to fly down to Florida to buy a ticket to see your Yankees play the Rays down there. I'm sorry, but if you're a tax player in St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay, the Rays aren't bringing tourists in. That wasn't worth the investment of your tax dollars into their stadium. I'm sorry if you're a Rays fan, it's not worth investing in a jersey because those guys are going to be gone before you know it. Wait until Randy or Rosarina is on a team that's actually willing to pay him and there you'll know he'll play there for several years. So the A's and the Rays, those are kind of those top teams that this kind of money ball of just we're going to be as cheap as possible 
and try to survive and try to fight these teams as cheap as possible by screwing over players. They sit there and they rely upon taxpayers. They rely upon the real owners in Major League Baseball, teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees, who are, quite frankly, they're trying to increase interest in their own team. They market their players. They bring in big names because it sells jerseys, because it makes that fan experience so much better to see Mookie Betts in Boston, or sorry, Mookie Betts in LA. Players want to see Garrett Cole pitch in Yankee Stadium. It's incredible. Not players, but fans want to see that. If I'm a player playing against the Yankees, I do not want to see Garrett Cole in, Dodger, in Yankee Stadium. He is incredible. Let's be honest with that. They're willing to invest their monies into their team. If you're an, if you look at the Astros and the Red Sox, both of these teams that cheated in the World Series have been accused of cheating and have been proven to be cheated and punished for cheating. Their fans still love those teams. Why do those fans love their teams? Because even though the Astros reset their raw their payroll they kind of fiddled with it to make it more consistent and more what's the word um where it works every year is more sustainable that's the word they made their payroll more sustainable they built up a team when the astros won the world series in 2017 though they didn't say okay bye jose altuve bye justin verlander go play elsewhere now we're done with you they invested into their cities and into their fans and they paid Justin Verlander. They paid Jose Altuve. They made sure those guys were locked up for years to come so that fans could go out and buy a Jose Altuve jersey and know that their investment was going to be worthwhile. I know it hurts them now because Justin Verlander is going to cost them $33 million in 2021, and he'll most likely be out all year with the Tommy John surgery. But my goodness, if I'm a fan, I would rather cheer for a team that was a caught cheating that has a payroll that includes $33 million for a hurt player than cheer for a team where the owner is just going to cut anybody I like as soon as they get good or as soon as they ask for money. So owners around the league are going to pay money that should be owed to players. Owners are going to keep making money and it's just not fair. Like, it's not fair that the Rays don't pull their weight against other teams in baseball. It's not fair that they're going to win the World Series. They're not going to go out and spend that extra money that they make on bringing in great players. They're not bringing in Trevor Bauer to Oakland or to Tampa this year. They're not bringing in George Springer, even though he would help either team. They're going to rely on other teams to pay those big salaries. So you can celebrate Blake Snell, Kevin Kiermeyer, Randy Arozarena. What they did this year was incredible. But please, please, please stop acting like the Rays front office is this incredible win for baseball. This is incredible David versus Goliath story. If the Rays invested into their employees, invested into their payroll, invested into their fans, invested into their taxpayers who bought their stadium for them, they would have access to the same money as LA. I mean, obviously not right away. It takes time to build a successful business. But they could have access to that money if they invested the money in the players and in the fans and not only into their payroll books and cutting salaries and how to save the most money possible. They could join other MLB teams as functioning members contributing to the MLB. But no, all they care about is cutting salaries, 
snatching players who are available for cheap, trying to win. It's incredibly inconsistent. There's a reason the Rays lost the World Series this year. They weren't willing to go out and pay for a guy like Mookie Betts. They wouldn't be willing to lock up a guy like Clayton Kershaw for years to come like the Dodgers did. There's a reason Oakland loses every year in the playoffs, no matter how good they are in the in the regular season. You need stars. And when you have stars, you start increasing your salary. What the Rays did was great, but stop praising their owners like they're heroes because they refuse to play their players. Because all that happens is they pass that on to somebody else to do. And isn't that wonderful to have a leech on society making money off the work you do because they're willing, not willing to pay. But that's what we've become. 